Hey, Donnie here. I wanted to tell you about Champions 90. Champions 90 isn't a workout routine or a fitness routine. This is about you transforming your life mentally, giving yourself an upgrade while you build to business freedom. Champions 90 is about you getting quiet with your thoughts, staying focused on building your business and getting you to freedom. Come join the challenge at champions90.com. I told my agent that I was eligible to get out at this point in time. And he called me about two in the morning, uh, local time where I was at based in England at RF Bentwaters Woodbridge and said, Chad, I got an airline ticket for you out of Heathrow airport. Cowboys want to work you out. Can you get on a flight the next morning? Uh, called my operations officer up, arranged for, you know, kind of emergency leave. And my wife drove me down to the airport about an hour and a half on the wrong side of the road, <laughs> driving in England. And, you know, I flew to Dallas, got in that night, uh, Friday night. And, um, I sat there and talked, told war stories to Jerry and Bobby Ackles, his old original general manager of the Cowboys and Stephen Jones. And that morning was my workout. And again, I'm probably working off very little sleep at this time, but I went and I had you know, kind of the same drills that they put you through at the combine and I had a great workout and coach Johnson then told me came up afterwards and said Chad we like what you see when can you join us I had no idea I didn't even know you know <laughs> this was no there's no precedent set for this so I saluted smartly hopped on a plane went back to England submitted my paperwork and within three weeks I was out processed out of the Air Force in Dallas getting ready for my first um, NFL training camp and you know, I guess the rest is history guys this is going to be a really really fun episode i've been looking forward to this one on so i'm bringing on chad hennings today to tell his story and all the things he's been into he's got a really really cool life and a lot of stuff he's accomplished i'm your host donnie bovine this is donnie success champions chad welcome to the show my friend please tell us your story hey donnie <laughs> good to be with you uh you know my story i i guess you know if you had to put a kind of a theme around the things that I've been able to accomplish and, and to do, it's, it's been around the aspect of just commitment. I grew up on, on a farm in Iowa, family farm. I've been in our family for years. You know, I watched my father, my grandfather work the land. And, and, you know, that great American work ethic, I think that's where it was really established. Um, was a good athlete. Um, I played all kinds of sports in school. Ended up being a all-state uh, football player in both uh, on the offense, defensive side of the ball, and even the off, I was an all-state punter. But then I also wasn't necessarily highly recruited to play at a lot of Division I schools, a lot of local schools, being from Iowa, you know, like maybe Iowa State, University of Iowa, maybe. But then I won the state championship in, in wrestling at the heavyweight division. And that's where people kind of said, hey, you know, started to take a look at who, you know, who is this kid? But during this whole time, I, I – had interest and I wanted to have an experience unlike a normal college experience. And what really intrigued me was the United States Air Force Academy. I wanted to attend a service academy. So I went out to Colorado Springs, received my nomination, went out to Colorado Springs and, you know, spent four years there. Ended up having some, you know, again, some pretty good success both in the classroom. I was a two-time academic All-American, unanimous All-American my senior year, you know, all-conference, all-decade, won the Outland Trophy. Um, my senior year led the nation in sacks, uh, but, uh, 
was drafted by the Dallas Cowboys prior to graduating. But here's where I guess my life gets, you know, really interesting just based on this concept of commitment was I had a military commitment to serve. You know, I raised my hand and said that, you know, if I graduate from this institution, you know, I'm going to give a minimum of five years, but I chose to up it to, you know, to eight years because I wanted to fly jets. So with that, um, I went through pilot training. I, you know, I kind of was settled with that, went on to pilot training, even though I was, you know, at the top of a lot of draft lists. I was drafted by the Cowboys in the 11th round back when they had that many rounds. And, um, but I went to pilot training at Shepard Air Force Base in Wichita Falls, Texas, about an hour and a half outside the Dallas area. And in the fall, Gil Brandt, who just went into the Cowboys uh, Ring of Honor, who probably will be an inductee this year into the football, you know, Professional Football Hall of Fame, uh, would send me tickets. This was back under the old Landry era. Would send me tickets, and I, my buddies and I would go down. We had 50-yard line seats, you know, sideline passes. And I'm sitting there watching the guys in my draft class, guys like Michael Irvin, Ken Norton Jr., play. And you talk about ripping my guts out because here, you know, cerebrally I knew I to be a man of virtue, a man of character that I wanted to be, that I strived to be. So it wasn't just words. I had to fulfill my commitment, but man in my heart, I wanted to see quote unquote, if I had the right stuff to play. And, um, it was a struggle and, and, and it was a struggle for the next probably year until I received my first, uh, active duty assignment to fly a 10 warthogs over in England, flying in Western Europe back in an old cold war scenario. So I deployed then I recently married, moved to England and spent the next two years flying missions into uh, Germany, and then the Gulf War kicks off in 91. I spent uh, six months flying 45 missions into northern Iraq in support of Operation Provide Comfort. Uh, came back from my second rotation there, three-month rotation, back to England, and received a phone call from a buddy of mine that said, hey, the uh, Air Force is, is now downsizing. They're waiving all sorts of commitment across the board and it ended up they waived not just my pilot training commitment, but a year off of, you know, a service academy commitment. And again, not just for me, but anybody could have separated. So I called the Cowboys and I said, uh, are you still interested in me? And at this time, Jerry Jones bought the team. Jimmy Johnson was the coach. And I went then to I, – I told my agent that I was eligible to get out at this point in time, and he called me about 2 in the morning. Uh, local time where I was at based in England at RAF Bentwaters Woodbridge and said, Chad, I got an airline ticket for you out of Heathrow airport. Cowboys want to work you out. Can you get on a flight the next morning? Uh, called my operations officer up, arranged for, you know, kind of emergency leave. And my wife drove me down to the airport about an hour and a half on the wrong side of the road, <laughs> driving in England. And, you know, I flew to Dallas, got in that night, uh, Friday night. And, um, I sat there and talked, told war stories to Jerry and Bobby Ackles, his old original general manager of the Cowboys, and Stephen Jones. And that morning was my workout. And again, I'm probably working off very little sleep at this time, but I went and I had you know, kind of the same drills that they put you through at the combine. And I had a great workout. And Coach Johnson then told me, came up afterwards and said, Chabri, like what you see? When can you join us? I had no idea. I didn't even know, you know, this was no, there was no precedent set for this. So I saluted smartly, hopped on a plane, went back to England, submitted my paperwork. And within three weeks, I was out processed out of the Air Force in Dallas, getting ready for my first 
um, NFL training camp. And you know, I guess the rest is history from there. Three out of my first four years were Super Bowl championship victories. And, you know, I guess what I'm most proud of is I flew my last mission to Northern Iraq in early 92, and I played in the Super Bowl the same year. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know that. That's yeah. awesome. No, you know, first, that's, that's in a nutshell. No, no, no. That's awesome, brother. Um, you know, a couple of things that popped into mind, you know, being a jarhead, um, I, I'm really curious when you went to your commanding officer and you said, sir, I got to go because the Dallas Cowboys are going to give me a tryout. What was his response? Well, he's kind of like, you know, no, well, they knew that I was drafted. They knew right. I had success, you know, as a, as a collegiate football player, but you know, they, they actually was really excited for me. I mean, they were all cowboy fans. <laughs> that helps. That well, helps. You know, Donnie, this is this is something I really struggled with because this aspect of commitment. I never right. quit anything in my life, and I thought that I was quitting um, mm. the Air Force because I made a commitment. And I talked with you know my father. I talked with my uh, coach Fisher DeBerry, my college coach, and then I talked with several guys in my squadron. And um, I saw, you know, what do you think, guys? And, and, and I'm really, I, I'm, I'm struggling with this because I feel like I'm quitting. And, and I think some of the old crusty old fighter pilots came up to me and they said, Dad, you know what? He goes, being a fighter pilot's awesome. You, you served your country. You've done it. Nation is downsizing. But you're going to be able to do more for the Air Force by playing for the Cowboys. <laughs> Absolutely. By, by, you know, walking the walk, act, you know, be a man of character there to highlight that. You're going to do more for the Air Force than you could just stand in the cockpit. And, you know, hindsight, you know, they were right. Because I, I, I tell stories of, you know, playing on a Sunday afternoon game and John Madden and Pat Summerall, you know, I make a tackle, make a sack or something, and, they, you know, they circle me on that, on that teleprompter and they go, Chad Hennings, United States Air Force Academy graduate, former fighter pilot, how the heck did he ever fit in a cockpit? You know, just <laughs> that tackle. And, you know, that's, that's great. PR and publicity for our military. It is. And it is. So that's how it went. Now, now that's awesome. You know, kudos for, for a, a couple things. One, for raising your hand and going to the service. You know, I, I always tell everybody, you know, I went in the military and I'd love to say it was because I wanted to serve, but it was because I didn't know what the heck I wanted to be when I grew up, right? So, so I love the fact that you went in kind of with a charged mission. Um, and especially kudos for, for flying the Warthogs. Those are some mean, mean planes, man. Um, you know, as you've gone along this journey, you've obviously had this kind of knack for being this, uh, someone called an overachiever. I'm just, I call it just getting it done. Where do you think that drive and commitment come from? Is it really from, you know, your granddad and your dad just seeing their work ethic or, you know, were you always trying to prove something? You know, it was, I think it was innate that my parents, both my mother, my father, my grandparents, by watching them work by watching them how they conducted their lives, it was built in me, not just talk to talk, but I, but I witnessed them walk this, is to be your best self every day. You know, no matter what it is, you're going to go out there and give it 100%, and you're going to be your best self. And, and a, you know, that was reinforced for me in athletics, you know, in academics, in the classroom. No matter what I tried to do, I'm going to go out there and give it my best. And God bless me, you know, I was very fortunate to have, Bless me with certain abilities and talents, and it's just to live life with a passion and a purpose, and to go out and execute whatever the mission is that that you're given. Yeah, no, it's phenomenal, you know. And 
I, it's one of those things, you know, the camaraderie you build in the military when you hang out with, you know, these guys 24 seven. I mean, you, you know more about the guys you serve with a lot of times than, you know, you do even some of your family members, you know, I'm curious, you know, as I know you talked about the old crusty guys saying that, you know, you can go do more for the air force. What was the conversations like with your buddies? I mean, there's gotta be somewhat of that, holy crap, he's really going to play for the Cowboys going on. You know, what were some of those those incidents like from your guys? And, you know, the other thing I want to know is how, many, how often did you fly those guys or have those guys come out to your games and stuff as well? Oh, yeah. No, it was – it was one of those things. I, it's almost like God had a purpose and God had a mission because prior to me leaving for the Cowboys, and I'll get to your question here in a second, I was, you know, you're deployed. So all you have when you're deployed, you're away from family, your mission, you're working out, you're exercising, man, you're lifting weights. And this whole six months, I got, you know, I got in great shape. I was as strong as I ever was prior. I put on maybe 15, 20 pounds of muscle mass. So my, my, my squadron mates, my wingmen, you know, they saw me and, and they said, man, you're ready. You're ready to go. And they were fired up and excited um, for me to go and to play because, you know, it gave them bragging rights. You know, I, was, I played with a former, you know, I flew with a former, you know, with a, with a Dallas Cowboy, Chad Hennings, you know, showing yeah. their kids or their guys, they move on to another squadron with that. Yeah, he was, I flew missions with him in Iraq. Um, yeah, and then, you know, as far as getting tickets, you bet. I'll, either classmates from the academy or guys I served with, if I was in town or if they were, you know, stationed near a base near an NFL city where we played, yeah, I'd get them, get them tickets, you know, meet them after the game, and, you know, they'd get a chance to see Troy Aikman, Emmett Smith, you know, these Hall of Fame guys, Deion Sanders, and it, uh, it was really cool. And, you know, just one quick story, too. When we played Super Bowl thirty. One of the guys that was doing a, a flyover of F-16s um, was one of the guys I played football with at the Air Force Academy. So he's down there on the sidelines watching all this revelry going around, this pomp and circumstance, and, and it is cool. And every time we would play games and we'd have a flyover, everybody would look at me thinking, yeah, what's Hennings thinking right now? <laughs> right. <laughs> so it, it's cool. And I've got a, you know, a ton of stories like that that um, you, know, you mentioned – just service, I was able to take several contingents of Cowboys, coaches, players, and front office staff on different military junkets. We got to go on an aircraft carrier for a couple days and to fly in and t take that trap. And when we, got, when we played the Super Bowl 30 outside of in Phoenix, I'll go to went to Luke Air Force Base, and these guys got to fly tax simulator F-16s. And, and it was, you know, the ultimate video games for some of these guys. Yeah. But, you know, they got a real great appreciation for life in the military. Yeah, that's. I mean, I've flown civilian simulators, you know, for some private jet companies and whatnot when I was selling commercial printing. But um, those are intense. I mean, in those simulators, I mean, you feel like you're actually there. I mean, you feel like you're really flying something. In my opinion, I've never flown a plane other than a simulator. But I can't imagine doing it in an F-16 like that. That had to be a trip. You know, was, was it – you know, you, you played with some other really big names, you know, with, you know, they sometimes call them the big three, you know, Urban, Emmett, and, you know, Aikman um, uh, up there as you went along this ride. But, um, you know, I'm curious, you know, because of the military background, playing in such a spotlight, 
um, you know, like that. Was there a little bit of, of, of celebrity status among the team? Because you're getting them exposed to things that they might have been exposed to, right? Because of, you know, just being cowboys, but you brought a whole new level to it. Was there a different, I don't want to say respect, but was there this different level of celebrity type status because of that? You know, for me, it, it was kind of funny that um, I, I teased my teammates that I had a real job before I actually came. To <laughs> That's awesome. But, uh, but, you know, I think innate in every young man growing up, two things that, you know, you play on the playground. You play Cowboys and Indians. You know, you play Army that, you know, shoot them up, bang them up. Right. Well, at least we used to be able to do that. I don't know if this <laughs> current – feminization of our masculine society but i don't want to go there now but you also played you played sports you played you you wanted to be in the nfl so all these guys were so intrigued by the experiences that i had of, of flying and you know i would tell them they could care less about you know what i did in college or the any football exploits they wanted to know what it was like because i think deep down in every guy they want to know what it's like to test yourself to put yourself in the harm's way and say you know do i have the medal yeah. Do I have the metal to do that? And, and that's, um, so there was that a little bit of that, I won't call it celebrity status, but it's, it's just that little bit of more respect that I was a guy who had a real job before he came to play. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um, you know, it, what I love about this chat is, is, you know, oftentimes NFL players, NBA players, you know, they baseball players, whatever, you know, they, they get put on a pedestal, right? They get put on this, you know, almost like they're another plane. And what I love about you talking about this is, is, you know, everybody puts their pants on one leg at a time, you know, you know, the only thing different than, than, you know, somebody who's made it to that level is go back to how you started this whole thing is some sort of insane commitment to achieve. Um, and you know, it's, it's really 1% difference of, you know, either innate ability or pure drive that allows people to get to that level. I love the fact that you've brought that, you know, that the military aspect in there because it really shows that they're just regular human beings and not some super phenoms. Um, you know, one of the things that people don't get to see is the 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 fun side of you know NFL the the fun side of the military. Talk a little bit about the how similar the camaraderie was on the field as it was in the Air Force. Well, I tell you, being in a locker room was almost exactly like being in a fighter squadron. Just the, the camaraderie, the uh, you know guys being guys, cutting on one each other, you know, <laughs> cracking jokes, having a good time. But it's also that aspect of purpose and, uh, and, and work ethic. I mean, at least the experiences I've had for the locker rooms that I've been in as well as the squadrons that I've been in, guys were very driven. It's very much a type A alpha male mentality where guys are, you know, they want to compete. But the great thing about it is they, they know how to compete at their individual tasks with one another to be that starting player. But when it comes right down to it, it's all about the team. In, in winning in winning um, games or accomplishing the mission to be the best squadron you can be. Because we competed with each other on the range, you know, dropping bombs or, or shooting the Gatling gun, you know, the Galway Avenger on the, in the A-10. 
or, you know, to be the best you can be. But once it came down to either flying a training or a combat mission, it was, it was one purpose in mind. It was that was to take care of your wingman and accomplish whatever that task was. And it's the same way, you know, playing in the NFL or playing, you know, in the locker room for the Cowboys, we competed against each other, you know, to be that starting role. But once the game time started, he did whatever it took to, uh, to win and, and to win games. It wasn't just about winning games. It was winning Super Bowls. And I can remember one time, you know, just a story that kind of reflects that from a personal standpoint for me, when I joined the team, man, I was inactive, meaning I was standing on the sidelines dressed in civilian clothes from the first seven games of my NFL career. Not necessarily you would consider uh, uh, a very successful start, a highlight. You know, I made the team, but, you know, I was standing there. So I went up to Coach Johnson. I said, Coach, I'll do whatever it takes to play. To play. I'll play special teams. So what he did is he put me on the kickoff coverage team. So you don't see very many defensive tackles running down on kickoff coverage, on punt coverage, and all these things because it's typically, you know, one, they're not fast enough, or two, it's, it's kind of a perceived menial task. But, hey, I was going to do whatever it takes just to get on the field and contribute to be a part of the team. And, and that's what I did from pretty much my first, my rookie year was, was play, plus play special teams as a 270, 280-pound defensive lineman running down the middle and being a bowling ball just to blow everything up. <laughs> that's what I could do. I mean, I mean, you really had a Rudy moment. I mean, if you if you go back to the Rudy movie, you know, uh, he told his dad he was playing, you know, for Notre Dame, but uh, his dad, his family didn't really believe him because they never saw him on the field. And, you know, uh, the same type of thing is, you know, it's it's one thing to say you're a cowboy. It's a whole other thing to be suited up and running down the field with everybody else. Exactly. No, uh, yeah, that's, a, that's a pretty cool experience. You know, what was it like when you first started getting some notoriety? You know, you, you, I mean, you played during arguably some of the best years the Cowboys ever had, you know, when you start getting a little bit of that celebrity type status, what is that like going through that process? to jump in here and take a second to let our sponsors tell you a little bit about what they do guys do me a favor and check them out they're really helping this show become what it's becoming support for this podcast comes from point blank safety services and blue family fund point blank safety services does safety differently we know everyone is on a journey and we want to make sure you get where you're going safely professional trained ready there's really no comparison Here's why hiring Point Blank Safety for your next project will make all the difference and save you huge amounts of stress and hassle. Point Blank Safety Services provides certified, uniformed police officers for a full suite of armed guard services. Don't leave the safety of your project to chance. If you're ready to make sure safety truly comes first for your next project, then visit us at pointblanksafety.com. Blue Family Fund helping dependents of law enforcement families on their journeys. Blue Family Fund is a nonprofit that raises funds and offers financial support through higher education scholarships for dependents of law enforcement officers and by providing financial assistance for families of fallen law enforcement officers. Every dollar donated will go to the families of police officers, either through scholarships to dependents of police officers or as aid to fallen officers' families. Visit us at bluefamilyfund.com. And now back to the show. 
you know, it, it can be pretty heady stuff. Um, and, and if you're not grounded, if you don't have that sense of identity and purpose, you can get wrapped up in that and you can, you can go south pretty quick. Um, you know, for me, I was, I was married. I had a, uh, my son Chase was born during my second year in the NFL. And, and one of the things, though, that I th think kept me grounded was, you know, unfortunately, my son got really ill after the third Super Bowl. And I had to struggle, was struggling with that, where, you know, continue to try to make the team to contribute to, you know, now as a full-time starter, but yet knowing that I have a very ill child at home and not knowing what's going on and how he's going to be from day to day and to be there as an emotional support for my wife and for my family, that for me was probably the, well, it was by far anything above anything else I've ever done in my life was the most challenging thing I've ever had to do where, you know, there were times where I had to, my son had to see a specialist on the West coast. So on a Tuesday or day off, I'd fly my wife and my son there. And then he ended up, I end up flying back like on a Friday, get them settled Friday, go through a couple practices, play the game on Sunday and then have to go back and pick them up. And, and that, you know, you talk about intestinal fortitude, right. mental focus, everything that I learned up until that point, I really had to put into practice on how to stay honed in. And it, uh, it was a very challenging time, but that's, you know, those are the experiences that we have that make us who we are, you know, as men, as, as individuals. Yeah, I often talk about you got to get punched in the face by life to figure yourself out. Um, you know, and you just got to go through things and experience different things to, you know, really understand what you're made of, you know, and that's, that's one heck of an endeavor to have to go through to, to, well, mentally, more than even physically, knowing that your son's going through health issues, you know, and uh, battling with you're on top of your career as far as sports goes, you know, and, and balancing all of that and then still showing up to play on Sunday. And how does somebody, you know, really get that mental fortitude? Because I mean, you can't fully ever turn off what's going on in your life, but you have to take ownership of that moment. How do you do that? You know, I think the only way that you can do that is you have to, <laughs> you have to experience. It's not something that can be taught academically. You have to experience it to truly test to see if you have it and have, you know, relationships along the way to keep guys, keep you from falling in the ditch and potentially going off the deep end, you know, to stay focused. But, you know, it, it takes effort. It's not a light switch that you turn on and, and you're right. Being in that moment at the time, it's not something that you can ever turn off or turn on. It's just, you may have a dim switch. It may become less intense, but it's, it's still, it's still present. Yeah. And for me, it was something that, you know, I had to truly walk through and realize, okay, I've got great friendships. I've got, you know, strong family. You know, my, my faith is, is was made stronger through that. And okay, I, now I can move on to the next challenge. And, and that's just it. You know, life's a series of choices. We got to choose wisely on, on what we do. Right. You know, when you got to your end of your, your Air Force career, um, you know, you had got put one of those choices, you know, do you stay here? Do you go play ball? And so the, the choice in, in some instances was almost made for you to make that decision. Um, when did you get to the point that you realized that you should stop playing ball and move on to the next portion of your life? That I think was made kind of an easier decision for me. I, my ninth year, uh, almost between, uh, 
eighth or ninth game of the season. I forget what it was. Over halfway through the season, we we're playing Jacksonville, and I got to my stance in the fourth quarter. I think we were taking the game into overtime. And I put my hand on it, and I just felt this numbness going up my arm and into my neck. Uh, you know, and it wasn't going away. And I'm like, man, this, this isn't right. Um, came out the sidelines. They did an evaluation, and I said, okay, I think you're okay. Can, you know, go back in. And I played, and I ended up finishing the game, but they said, come by afterwards, and we want to, you know, check you. And they did this little test and said, I think we need to schedule an MRI for you in the morning. And right then and there, I, I knew I was done. Mm. I mean, I literally, I knew I was done because I ended up having a – they had prepped me from different x-rays that I've had before that I had um, arthritic spurring on my cervical vertebrae that were kind of projecting on my spinal cord and it caused um, some stenosis or swelling of the spinal cord. And then it's like, okay, I'm done. So I ended up having a cervical fusion, but uh, a teammate of mine, Daryl Johnston, the moose years prior to this had the same surgery and he came back for a year. Then he retired. Um, So I thought, you know what? I I think I'm going to go through and, I'm going to train and rehab because I, I wanted to make 10 years in the NFL. That was my goal. But I literally went in in the offseason. This was like February time frame. And I sat down in my locker and I kind of looked around. I was the only one in the locker room because I was going through, you know, some training rehab. And I just said, I'm done. I'm done. I, I didn't have anything left in the tank. I really had nothing left to prove or pursue. And I cleaned out my locker and I left. I mean, and that's, and it, and it didn't look back because I wanted to, the cost for me was too great. I wanted to be able to be there for my kids and I didn't want to have continual surgeries. And I'm glad that I did that because I see a lot of my teammates today, guys that are in their early fifties now that are double knee replacement, double hip replacements, arthritic joints, and they can barely walk and barely move. And, you know, I still feel pretty good. <laughs> you know, it says the guy who, you know, could probably barely fit into a cockpit of a warthog, you know, but which is a funny story in itself. But, you know, that, I mean, that's impressive because it, it goes back to your mental fortitude because a lot of guys don't make that decision. You know, it's and maybe it's because of your military background that you knew what it's like to start and finish something you know, that you were able to get there because a lot of guys, you know, you run into guys in the street and they're still talking about that one high school football game. (laughs) (laughs) I hear that a lot. Yeah, exactly. You know, same way is that I played with a lot of guys that, that couldn't turn it off, couldn't walk away from the game because it became essentially a drug for them. They, They needed that high. They needed that sense of competition that their identity, who they were was as a football player. And I think that's having had that experience where I transitioned from the military to, you know, professional athletics was, you know, I've done a couple different things where what I did did not define who I was. And, and I was just very fortunate. And I, a lot of these guys play too long and they end up reaping, you know, the hazards of a beat up physically and, and emotionally. And it's just, they end up being, it's a sad, sad story. Do you think that, yeah, absolutely. Um, do you think that that groundedness comes from upbringing or did you learn it? I think it, well, nature versus nurture. <laughs> well, think, right, 100% that. <laughs> yeah, that, that. I think a lot of it was in me, but a lot of it was demonstrated and was, was taught. And um, 
that I just watched how people that I respected lived their lives, you know, particularly my parents, my grandparents, family members. And, uh, it, you know, it made that easy for me. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people go full circle in life. You know, for me, I grew up on a farm in Kansas and then, you know, we moved to Texas and ended up in suburbia. I got the corporate jobs, you know, working in offices and, and the whole nine yards. And now we're all back on the farms. You know, we all own, you know, property, land, and, you know, heck, my mom just took one of our baby goats to the vet because it's got a cold, right? You know, it's, it's part of farm life. But, but I'm curious, you know, now that you're beyond the NFL, you're beyond the Air Force, what are you doing now with life? What I'm doing now is um, uh, several things. I, it was one time in my life, and you alluded to this question a little bit before that, you know, the decision was kind of made for me to go from, you know, of course, from the academy, the military because of the commitment and then the, the Cowboys. But after that, I could determine after I retired from the Cowboys, I could be whatever I wanted to be. And it's like, wow, that's a scary proposition. <laughs> So what I've done is, you know, I've always enjoyed the public speaking. I've, I've written three different books. Um, and I, and I have, have a, some great partners. We have a commercial real estate company called Rubicon based here in Dallas and, um, enjoy, you know, for me, all my business pursuits are all around the aspect of, you know, relationships, working with people and on teams that we have a common purpose and a common goals and, common life, you know, views on life. And, um, you know, but for me, my, my biggest, what gets me up in the morning is, is just, I see where our culture is going and, and I want to, again, get plugged in and do some about it. And that's where, why I wrote my, my last book called forces of character is I want to show that, you know, life decisions, identity, et cetera. It's a, it's a choice. Your past is the past and who you, who you choose to become is, is truly a choice. And, um, so that, that's what I, I do a lot of corporate speaking to um, companies. I do it to, you know, to small groups. I do it, you know, a lot of faith-based talks also. I, I started a men's ministry called Wingman. And, you know, for me, it's just, I, I want to impact people and impact them in a positive way that, um, you know, so that we all can have that common vision and, and common purpose of, of who we are as, as Americans. No, I, I love that. Um, and I knew a couple of those things you were into. Um, you know, here's what, what it's interesting. You know, early in my, in my, my years, in my young 20s, I was, you know, really big at looking at people and going, well, they're able to do that because they've done this, right? So there's people that probably look at you and go, well, of course he's successful. He's a cowboy, right? He's, he's using that to grow his business and anybody who's found even a minute amount of success knows how much work goes into getting there, um, you know, along that ride. But there's got to be some instances where your name and what you've done is help open up a couple of doors that may not otherwise been opened. Um, uh, what's that experience like in the business world? You know, it's, yeah, that's one of the things why I stayed here in, in the Dallas <laughs> You know, once a cowboy, always a cowboy. But it, name recognition helps uh, to an extent, but it, it just gets your foot in the door. Then you right, got to right, do something right. with that. But one of the things that I think separated me from a lot of, you know, other athletes in, in Dallas has a lot of retired athletes, professional athletes that, that live in the area and are engaged in business. 
was the aspect that, you know, I was the guy, that former cowboy that flew jets in the Air Force. <laughs> right. And really, that's, that's what I am most proud of is, is, you know, I'm proud of my cowboy time, but I'm you know, most proud of my military service, too. And, and that was one of the things that I, being a graduate from the Air Force Academy, I, you know, I'll talk to kids or organizations and I'll bring my, I have several rings, like a, my class ring from the Academy, a college football hall of fame induction ring and the three Super Bowls. And I'll say to those, you know, show those kids and I'll show the kids that Air Force Academy class ring. And I said, this is the one that means the most important of these rings to me is because this is the one that started it all. Mm. I, you know, I had to work the hardest to earn this one. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that for me, get back to the basics. You know, you alluded to it a little bit, but, you know, a lot of people struggle with, you know, what do they want to be when they grow up? When you, for the first time in your life, had complete freedom to choose that path, that next step in the journey, was that difficult or did that, that come pretty easy for you to start figuring out your next moves? Um, I was always one of those guys that, whether the type A, but I always had to be doing something. I had to be working. You know, if I wasn't, wasn't working, I felt like I was not contributing to, you know, the greater cause or greater mission. And that's one of the things I wish I would have taken time when I uh, retired and kind of took a slower approach and evaluation as to where, you know, truly wanted to fit in. Um, but I realized that that's, that's kind of part of the natural progression. Mm-hmm. Talking with a lot of guys that have separated from the military that have retired you know, they, they say it's, it's their third job that they land on where they actually find that permanent home. They get out, they find a job, and they realize, hey, this is not necessary for me. They move on to the second job. Okay, I, I'm enjoying this, but it just doesn't quite feel right. Bam, the third job is where they land. And, you know, and that was kind of my experience too. Um, so, but, but I also go look at that I've, I have a lot of different interests and I wanted, uh, I enjoy public, as I mentioned before earlier in the podcast, public speaking. I enjoy the business aspect and, and I enjoy impacting the lives of people. So I kind of throw those all together and, and, and that's what I'm doing today. And no, that's awesome. I mean, hopefully I'm making a difference. I, I, that's almost guaranteed. I tell people all the time, just get on stage. I don't care what you're talking about. If you can just get on stage, you'll impact at least one life. And that makes it all the worth it. Um, you know, talking about the transition out, out of the, the military is, I get a lot of veterans that listen to the show, obviously, because being a jarhead, but, um, you know, it's often um, you, I would say, had a little bit easier uh, transition out because you had a place to go. But a lot of us, when we, you know, we went into military, didn't know what the heck we wanted to be when we grew up. And then we get out of the military and we still don't know what the heck we want to be when we grow up. And now we've got to learn to demilitarize, meaning our language, the way we carry ourselves, how we talk, and become what somewhat civilianized and jump into corporate America. I'm sure there was a little bit of that for you, you know, especially from the transition from the football to the, the civilian sure. world. Um, what was that that like? Because, I mean, you went from one place that would be considered locker room talk to another place that had locker room talk, now to corporate America. Um, how hard was that adjustment? You know, it, um, th- those little nuanced things, what you talk about, it, it, I realized that I had to you know, make a change from that, that you couldn't 
be sitting there telling dirty jokes or not that we did a lot of that, but you know what I'm saying. But, but what I concentrated on was those intangibles or those lessons or those characteristics that were translatable from the fighter squadron flying jets to playing for the Cowboys to corporate America. They were lessons or call universal truths that, that I needed to concentrate on. What made me a success as a pilot, you know, work ethic, attention to detail, working well with others, you know, being humble, um, being excellent in, in my, my craft was the same thing that made me a success playing for the Cowboys. And it was the same thing that, you know, translated made me a, is making me a success now as a businessman, those same characteristics, who, who am I? What's my identity? What are my core values that I profess? How do I treat others? You know, from a leadership position, am I mentoring others? Who, who are my mentors and who am I mentoring? Um, am I remaining humble? You know, uh, you know, do I respect others? Am I willing to listen to the opinion of others? Am I holding other people accountable? All these things, you know, that to your point of those guys transitioning out of the military, what made them a success, like you as a jarhead, that work ethic is the same stuff that can help make you a success, whatever you're doing now, just, you know, you got to kind of soften the edges with you know, the potential language and, and how you do it. But, you know, corporations, companies, they want those lessons because you can impact the whole culture of a company with those positive um, attributes and virtues. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And I, and I often tell the guys that are transitioning out, this is the first thing they need to learn is humility. Um, you know, I, I talk to a lot of, and I find it more with your senior ranks, um, this struggle with this than your enlisted ranks is, you know, just because you commanded thousands of people doesn't mean you're going to walk into a CEO position of a company. You know, humility when you first get out of, you need some corporate experiences to understand you know, corporate politics and how things maneuver is, is a healthy, healthy endeavor. Um, and I try and tell everybody, I mean, if you, you know, excelled well in the military, that same work ethic, tenacity, you know, drive will help you rise quickly in the civilian sector, but you just may have to knock yourself down a, a few notches and realize that, you know, in some regards, you're just getting started, you know, that, that career is just really, really, really getting going. Um, I love the fact that you're, you're jumping on stages and stuff because I think more people should, should really, really embrace that. Um, and, you know, writing the books and, and everything. So when you're speaking on stages, is it primarily about characteristics, your, your character, excuse me, and, and leadership? Yeah, I kind of hone it. For me, it's it's about the aspect of living excellence. What does excellence define as? You know, it's that identity piece. It's those character virtues, core values, leadership principles. All those things are you know kind of encompassing living a life of excellence. So that that's what I really you know hone in on. Um, talking to either a group of individuals or you know corporations, and it's neat. It's one of those things I don't think you can share enough with people that you, they just can't get enough of it because it's obvious looking around that, that it's still very much needed in our country today, in our culture today. Yeah. And there's always the, the thought process that, you know, leaders are born, which I don't agree with. I, I believe you have some innate skills that may tend lead it, lend itself to be a leader, but I think you actually have to go and get in the game to learn to be a leader. 
Um, and I love the fact that you're help, you know, creating a roadmap, if you will, for some people to, you know, shorten that learning process. Um, you know, this has been a lot of fun, Chad. I've really enjoyed uh, having you in here sharing your story. Um, is there anything you want to convey to the 78 countries that listen to this show? Any message that you could wanted to say that, that would resonate with entrepreneurs, business owners, and veterans that, you know, uh, will be hearing your story? You know, I just want to say you, you got to be intentional. You got to be proactive and no matter what you do. Don't sit back and let life happen and figure out who you are, who you choose to be as a person and who your company, who they are, you know, core values. And I always kind of developed the same saying that, you know, identity is the filter, filter in which you pass thoughts, words, or experiences through character is the process, you know, virtues, how you treat others, et cetera, humility, courage, those things. And living excellence is the journey in life. And, and that's, it's, it's, it's not rocket science, but yet execution is sometimes lacking and you, we have to be intentional about that. And I think execution is where a lot of people drop the ball. They have ideas, they have visions, they have dreams, but they don't execute on them out. You know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, Chad, it's been a, a lot of fun having you on the phone, on the phone, on the show. I can't even talk today. Um, you know, here's how I like to wrap up each and every episode. Well, first, how do people get in touch with you? How do they get your books? You know, how do they get in touch with you if they want you for speaking engagements or they want your books or, you know, they're just looking for, you know, character and leadership advice? ChadHennings.com. Chad Hennings, simple enough. Hey, I got to keep it simple. I'm <laughs> I love it. I love it. Tackle. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, you know, and, and for us jarheads, you keep it simple as well. You know, you got to use small words for us. So, yeah. <laughs> um, well, here's how I like to wrap up each and every show. Uh, and I do stump some people with this, so get ready. Um, if you could leave the audience of champions that listen to the show with a phrase, a quote, a mantra, something they can take with them on their journey, you know, especially if they're stacked up against it um, and going through it. What would be that quote or phrase you would say? Remember this. You know, the first thing that came to my mind was uh, an old uh, tenet that I subscribe to that I teach my kids. You know, he who walks with wise men will be wise. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Man, I really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, sharing your journey with us, bud. Uh, it's uh, uh, good to hear it and good to hear the insights on it. I appreciate it. Take care. content for your company and you're struggling to figure out what should I put out there how should I put it out there or you know what can I do to make my company get more exposure on social media go check out successchampions.us Kevin and I have a lot of fun each week recording these episodes and sharing our best thoughts and ideas with you all Man, we're just proud to, to have you guys as listeners always tuning in. And we really appreciate the messages. We get the DMs, the emails, and the likes from you guys with questions and ideas for future shows. And that just means the world to us. We really are changing how the world networks. We've poured our heart and soul into Success Champions Networking, and it continues to grow. 
So if you haven't checked out a chapter and you're looking for a mastermind group of pure, absolute badasses that understand that giving introductions are way more powerful than referrals, go to successchampionnetworking.com and request a visit. And thanks for being you. Thanks for being a champion of your success because that's what it means to be a success champion.